this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us you can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at DMOUnion.com or digmeoutunion.com. You know when you're like talking and you get like a, like a little burp, but it's not really a burp, it's just like oh. this little hiccup thing, and you're just like, oh, that hit the throat in the wrong way. Well, that's what happened there, folks. But I am a professional. I persevered. I'm sorry. <laughs> We had to hear that. <laughs> uh, you know, not only are, are we professionals in the way that we can plow through those sorts of situations, but also when we uh, have a scheduling problem, we can turn it, turn it around. We can make it, we can make a change real quick. And uh, we were spo- this was supposed to be a round table that we didn't have anybody to round out the table. <laughs> So we push that back. It's going to happen. But in the meantime, I said, Jay, we got to pick some records and then figure out what we're going to review. So we each chose three albums and put them up for a vote on our Discord page, which is exclusive to our Patreon folks. This is, uh, I would say, old school, right? This is very old school. First season or two, we mostly did this. It was just you and I picking records from our from our own hopper that's right so what were your three picks what were my three picks uh dishwalla was and you one think you know what life's about um then i had cry of love cry of love right and the faint black wave arcade that's correct and then my three picks were engine downs under the pretense of present tense the Hydromatics Parts Unknown, and Tin Machine's second album. Mm. We put that up for a vote on Discord, and people use different emojis for their votes. And Dishwalla was the winner. So we're checking out some Dishwalla, Jay, which I only know from Counting Blue Cars, which was the big single on their debut album. Um, pet your friends i think that came out that came out in 95 and then the album we're gonna talk about uh and you think you know what life's about both released on AM records that came out in 98 so how how familiar were, were you with this record before putting yeah. it into the options yeah i got the first album I want to say it was probably like a BMG record, <laughs> right? A record CD. Club. Yeah, yeah. It was like I, I got involved in that for a year or two, and uh, you know, anything that was on the radio that was halfway listenable, I would need to use my credits and exactly uh, and get them. So I got the first record that way. I uh, listened to it quite a bit. This one, I think I bought when it came out. I want to say. Um, and 
I listened to it quite a bit. I think it was sort of a, we'll talk about it more, but you know, there was kind of a post okay computer thing going on um, around that time. And I, I think this was one of the records that was, it was interesting to me for that reason. Well, a little bit of info. Let's do a little history on the band. We've actually never talked about Dishwalla. History of the band. Uh, so the name Dishwalla J is a term used in India for a person who uses a satellite dish to illegally scramble a TV signal and share it with their neighborhood. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. I, I did not know all that either. Um, band was from Santa Barbara, California, formed in 1993. Um, the, I believe the lineup has, well, there's been some changes. Um, the lead singer, or sorry, sorry, yeah. No, that's lead guitar and backing vocals, Rodney Browning Cravens. Um, he was there from the start, along with J.R. Richards, was the original lead guitar, rhythm, or lead vocalist, rhythm guitar, and keyboards. He was there from the beginning until 2005. However, when the band reunited in 2008, he did not reunite with them. So the band that's touring is Dishwalla now is not the original lead singer. It's a different singer. Wow, um, I did not know that. Yes. Yeah, hmm, okay. Uh, and that's Justin Fox is their lead singer, not Dustin Fox, former Ohio right. State safety, but Justin Fro- Fox. <laughs> okay. Um, original drummer. Well, they've gone through a couple of drummers. Everybody goes through a couple of drummers. Uh, so George Pendergrass was the original drummer. He left the band, was replaced by Pete Maloney. And then when the band reformed in 2008, George Pendergrass rejoined the band. Uh, Jim Wood has been the keyboardist, I guess, for almost the entirety of the band. Um, And then Scott Alexander has been the bass player for the entire time. Uh, They did have a keyboard player earlier in their run named uh, Greg Kolnak. And um, yeah, so, so the band is pretty much the... It's close to the original lineup that's touring right now. It's just not the lead singer. And they've actually put out a record with the new uh, lead singer called Juniper Road. That came out in 2017 on Pavement Music. There were two albums after the one we're going to talk about. 2002, there was Opaline. And then the self-titled Dishwalla album came out in 2005. And... I believe was this yeah this is the same year that they put out the uh, for the masses compilation and they covered policy of truth for that Depeche Mode that's right uh, album that we've talked about many many uh, <laughs> a long time ago and the song they had a song uh, it, when this album was out in this was out in ninety eight but um. In 99, they had a song on the American Pie soundtrack. So I'm sure that did pretty well. Uh, they were also 
um featured in a bunch of tv shows uh charmed um they were a special musical guest for an episode <laughs> and uh, okay uh, and then they were uh they were, were playing at, at the at the peach pit well it's charmed so it was about the witches oh, okay. so it's probably was like oh, okay. the witch's nest or something like that or right where they serve witches brew um they also had have songs on smallville the oc oh my. ncis yeah i mean when you get on the oc you're you're pretty much that's it you're all good it's all that is it. uh that's it um yeah so that is the history of the band and do we have com do we were there comments about uh this record because i'm I'm a little bit okay here we go i don't know everybody's nicknames on all right black matt said dishwalla because yeah. i loathe that record and i've really tried not to but i just really really don't like that record though if you don't do that one now it's made for a sophomore slump revisited roundtable interesting did anybody else talk about it oh well i don't think so we just got a IB. Uh, Richard said, uh, "I'd be happy with Dishwall, Cry Love, or Engine Down. Nothing specific." Okay. This was a multi multi vote vote poll because we did it on uh, Discord. So yes, sometimes uh, that nets everybody's second or third choice. That's true. Now, so I had not listened to this record, and I had only—I was only familiar with that one song from the first record. So they were—I had put Dishwalla in the same thing as like Eagle-eyed Cherry and Dog's Eye View, and like all these like '96, '97, '98 bands that had like one song, and I had no interest in ever hearing the the albums. Yeah. Uh, Who else was? I mean, like, Uh, okay, you know what I mean? There was just there was a ton of those bands. Um, yeah well yes i was grasping for anything that was remotely uh you know straightforward rock so i got into the first record for that reason sure i can i can understand that all right jay how about since you were the one that is familiar with this record um i'll go first you can react off of my this is my totally new reaction to this record so here's so you, you hadn't heard any of these songs i had not heard a one okay nope uh my wife katie said that she heard them on some somewhere yeah because they sounded really familiar especially the, the first two songs yeah uh but i couldn't place where they would have been but it's entirely possible that they were in a soundtrack or you know that's not mentioned on their wikipedia page or what have you yep. but uh so what worked for me i really like top of it i really like the way this album sounds um it does sound it has the production of a 90s album that's incorporating a little bit of industrial in some in some aspects into hard rock which we hear you know this is the opening track stay awake if i played you that and then i played you some stabbing westward uh you would you would think oh this is a band that's going to be like trying to be like stabbing westward yeah like well no actually no it's not they just happen to whatever drum sample they used with those particular snare hits is very you know electronic sounding and industrial sounding you know. 
I think as you get into the record, they're playing just more on like a big, slightly processed sound. Um, yeah. It's not necessarily industrial. It's just it's just making it sound just a little bit unnatural, which I, I think is just an interesting choice. Um, I heard you you've mentioned it as being like a post OK computer yeah. record, and I can hear that. I can hear it as a post, you know um the downward spiral album you know there's yeah. i think it it takes alternative rock which is what i sort of think of them on their first record i don't know if they do elements of this on their first record but it sounded like they they were just sort of playing with heavy you know guitar riffs a lot of these are I, i'm assuming drop d kind of riffs in, in parts and but then adding this weird like processed sound to, so it's teetering on the edge of like of industrial but not or you know i don't it's not really industrial but whatever yeah. you know gravity kills and and those kinds of bands hmm. were or orgy or whatnot because they're still using guitars it's just a, it was a processed sound but then you get songs like bottom of the floor and once in a while which have i, I think are built around the same they're very similar in terms of melodic structure, but like I was hearing like mid period Oasis in the yep. like grand scope of those songs. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hear in a, in a lot of this record when it gets away from the volume is there's an attempt to, you know, all around the world and, uh, and all those like big epic sing-along chorusy oasis songs that's where i hear in this record more than like the radiohead end of the, the you know way that uh tom york will provide sort of like a ethereal kind of uh orchestral almost sound with his voice like on paranoid android and parts yep. of that song or high and dry like that you know that kind of like really falsetto-ish vocal um to me the it, the the bigness is like the big liam guitar or or liam vocal and noel guitar like combo on some of the almost power ballady kind of songs like until i wake up until the guitars kick in it could be like train like yep. early train not yep. the sweet soul sister train but like the drops of jupiter right. train but it's it is very um restrained in a way that i was not expecting and then it kicks in and speaking of train like a song like truth serum has this like that sort of rollick not rollicking but it has that electronic keyboard sound um yeah like not quite funky but like got a little bit of bounce to it um Mm. and i i I just liked a a lot of the production choices like that like this could this could have been a very dour record i think based on the first couple tracks just like or or just very big and loud and i did i like that they dialed it down in certain spots um because it really then paints a big contrast between the louder parts and the and the quieter parts um what works best for you revisiting this record yeah, I'll echo a lot of what you're picking up on here. Um, it uses all of, <laughs> it's like a greatest hits of 90s um, 
dynamic tricks. Yeah. So uh, the reason initially when I heard it at the time, it brought so much Radiohead because, you know, they do the, the guitar um, that fit, you know, the false guitar stop from Creep. Um, they do that like eight times on this record where it's like, kink, 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 boom, and they hit the big chords, like building in. They've got all of the OK Computer, like whirling, weird little like artifacty guitar things going on uh, to add all this atmospheric. Um, you've got these super overdriven guitars uh, that are, you know, tuned down to give you these huge choruses. Um, they use a lot of keyboards and piano as well to create atmospherics and just uh like you like until i wake up if for example like that verse that's just like you know the somber kind of almost classic uh power ballad but it's like all amped up it's like everything about it is like another level of extreme uh in some ways at my bedside I think it's really effective in that way when you've got songs that I'm with you that at their core are probably closer to Oasis um, or U2. Um, I hear a little bit of like Queen in a song like Bottom of the Floor and then the chorus comes in and it's total Oasis chorus. Um, but the production is pulling from everything you mentioned. Uh, I agree with you. on The Stabbing Westward one was not when I heard at the time, but now when I listened to it, I was like, oh shit, this is like a, a very melodic, restrained, stabbing westward chorus. But like the, the extreme that they go to in their choruses, like making them huge is exactly what this band's doing in the production. Um, and I just like, everything's always moving. You know, they're always like using keyboards and guitar parts and guitar effects and bass parts and pianos and a lot of the atmospherics to just keep things moving forward and changing even though from a songwriting standpoint it's pretty straightforward a lot of these start with choruses and the hook you know then they go to a quiet verse and a loud chorus they're very similar in tempo um, you know, they have fairly straightforward bridges. There's not any huge surprises in any of these songs. So from a songwriting standpoint, they're, they're you know, not um, reinventing the wheel here in any way. But I think the production just makes it, it just brings it to life in a way that 
um, wouldn't necessarily on paper be successful. Like you might think like it wouldn't fit that type of songwriting. Uh, but uh, I'm with you. I think on a lot of the material here, the two things come together in a way that is just, they're just super hooky songs and they just sound good. Like, uh, you know, a song like until I wake up or stay awake once in a while, like I don't remember for sure how much those were on the radio, but it could have been huge hit songs. Um, they're, they're that well-written. Yeah. I, I don't know why they wouldn't have been big radio songs in 98. I mean, this, this would have fit in where wherever Foo Fighters were getting played and my hero yeah. and that kind of stuff was, you know, still being played. This should have been there. And when I hear a song like healing star, which is a bit more reserved, you know, that reminded me of like Remy zero, which was getting play. Oh yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah. I was when earlier when I was talking about truth serum, I, I had the wrong, that was actually five star day. It has like the funky beat. I was going back and checking. Yeah. You know, that one, um, well, truth serum has a little bit of a jazzy vibe. And yeah. That made me think of like, Oh, this is their little, they would listen to some Portishead head. Maybe <laughs> like they're, they're trying to they're they're trying to wipe a little uh trip hop on on this production or something. I think uh, the the most blatant Radiohead ish song is the bridge song to me, um, because of that, vo- where he's singing the vocal and the acoustic guitar and yeah. Uh, but I think what's interesting is then ending with Pop Guru, which is a very sort of you know direct in or or distorted uh guitar. That to me almost reminds me more of like tiny music era Stone Temple Pilots, yeah, rather than anything than that was happening in with like UK bands. Because I do hear well, a lot of you know, like you're saying, UK band influence with the grandiose aspects of like U2 and Oasis combined with some of the Radiohead quirk. But it I, could be I, an, uh, an Imperial Drag song too. Yeah, that that's that one, and is it? I think it's maybe it's Soul Blind. That uses some like almost almost like um like early nineties. It's not quite shoegaze, but the it's like it's such a big blaring distortion on that song. Yeah, I mean they get into uh, with some of the guitar stuff using all these effects which i like a lot yeah they can also get into a a failure space that's a example there with that song um so blind where when those guitars all come in it's like "Mm, this is getting close and there's like a really heavy tremolo on one of the leads that's which is a really cool song 
if you did not know it was Dishwalla and you played it for somebody, you'd be like, yeah. oh, this was a UK band that most people didn't <laughs> check out back in 90. Right. You know, everybody's talking about My Bloody Valentine, but these guys were cool too. And you you wouldn't, you know, wouldn't know. On the flip side of what doesn't work, I feel like there's a lot of personality crisis because yeah. he is such a wishy-washy vocalist and like the melodies are there but i don't catch i don't catch anything of importance as far as lyrics go or even just interesting like the hooks are all like really good hooks with very bland lyrics yeah they struck me as um i guess you two lyrics where you hear words in there you're like oh i think this is about something important and you start like reading them and you're they're not or you're not sure what he's talking about everything has very grandiose and <laughs> yeah. universal meaning which is just a way of saying like keeping it as as bland as yeah. possible so that you don't i you know alienate anybody what's interesting about the vocal is my i did not go back and listen to the first record again but i, I did you know listen to it quite a bit in the past my impression of him as a singer is that he was an oversinger like he just maybe because of that single maybe he had some theater background that was big it's just there's a lot going on there yes in the 90s that was everybody over sang um but i don't necessarily hear that on this record it seems actually a bit more restrained vocally um and musically it's doing a lot more like in production wise it's doing a lot more which is interesting yeah i think the trouble get into is that there is some really strong material but nothing that's going to catch on without a clearly hooky you've we've said it so many times yeah. like you got to catch that one single that's like gonna break through or else your album is just going to disappear and like there is nothing here i'd actually be curious you know what 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 albums 1988 rock albums like what's coming out the same year that so like whole celebrity skin garbage's version 2.0 so that's i think i'm paranoid and yeah you know stuff like that um you got a big offspring album this year um americana i mean you got to have you know what was the single on Americana? Was that um Good Lord, I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. Pretty fly for a white guy. Oh my goodness. We Why don't getting, you get a job? We were getting a little goofy in nineteen ninety eight, I feel too. Yeah. Uh Pretty Fly for a White Guy was the first single. Why don't you get a job? The kids aren't all right was the third single and she's got issues. I know I don't know the kids aren't all right, but all the other th- three songs I know the, those singles. Um, but that's what you had to get. You know what I mean to get on the yeah. radio, and that's two huge singles right there. Uh, and to to be on radio, I, I hear you, but um, I mean this I is listen, Kid Rock this I year. Listen to a song like "Until I Wake Up," and that's like. That chorus is just so huge. That's like as big as. So what? Maybe a year later. 
we're we're being inundated with creed power ballads no but i'm saying like as far as big well yeah so maybe it could have snuck through then but like this is the year of devil without a cause by kid rock yeah, yeah. i mean big dumb rock is yeah. merging with new metal at this point and, and, and you're so, right on the lyrically it doesn't have the very much at this time where any song that's cutting through has some like notable goofy lyric or oof. like the creed stuff had some kind of like sentimental christians crap going on i don't know but like people were really for whatever reason can even with uh the ballads that were happening connecting lyrically for whatever reason and there's again it's just kind of a vague lyric on this record um this is also the year of godsmack everlast oh uh yeah i mean there's just like it just gets heavy and loud we 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 just shoot right past nuance yeah we were getting Uh, dumb yeah and unless you were established like the offspring and you could you could start spewing out just like whatever i think you just hit it like we were getting past nuance and to me this record has it has nuance it has a lot of nuance it has very strong songwriting it doesn't have 1998 hit songwriting and no the part that i think i'm reacting to most positive is the nuance around the production and the and the dynamics of the record Um, which which the general public gives two shits about yeah curiously uh this is also the year of dizzy up the girl by the goo goo dolls yeah so they did score some like pretty big hits with jangly pop i mean slide yeah that's a pretty jangly pop tune i didn't realize that that was this year uh iris was the single was actually the lead single and that was based on the soundtrack um was it uh city of angels that's when that song and then uh yeah so i mean i guess there was space for some less aggressive stuff but i'm sure like they weren't on the same format anymore i mean goo goo dolls were probably over on like pop adult or something uh yeah they were they were crossing over i think with uh after name and does he have the girl yeah they weren't just a rock band a rock station band anymore nope nope i think this record too in terms of what doesn't work uh it's very mid-tempo-y there there's not a lot of tempo shift here and yeah when the songs are not very strong uh it gets because musically it's i mean it's not as interesting as radiohead musically right so you've got like well-written pop songs pop rock songs at the core uh with a really engaging production but when the songs aren't strong yeah 
it, it, it lands flat to me. Um, and when the tempos are all so middle of the road, it lacks, um, I think some punches and left turns here and there that would, that would really help it quite a bit. Yeah. It, uh, even though there's a lot of dynamic range in terms of when it gets loud, when it gets big, it gets there. Um, even the quiet parts don't sound that quiet. Like, I don't know if it was a matter of we need to do a dramatic EQing of like dialing all the bass out of this or something or what have you, but like it all, it all is sort of compressed at this same sort of area that it never felt like too big or too small. Um, and I don't know what, I don't know if that's from the compression or if it's from the mastering or whatnot, but, um, it just didn't blow up sometimes when it should have. Um, and I don't feel like they're a band that wants to play fast. Like, I don't think they're comfortable when they do it. It's like, it's not like pop guru has tempo, but you don't get the sense that this is a band that like wants to rock out real heavy. Right. Well, yeah, and when they are heavy, it's like a mid-tempo, like a halftime, yeah, halftime feel. That's you know really effective, but you just never get that rhythmic shift that might help the record, right? Here and there, and and they don't have a a Johnny Greenwood who, even when you're playing mid-tempo, is going to throw like some insane guitar solo, yeah. like on Juster you know, paranoid Android or whatever, like that's a completely different level of playing. And it even like, you know, I'm th- I, they're not to me far off on, on this record from like the second Our Lady Peace album. And in terms of like, there's a, there's a, just a different tone to that record yeah. than there is to the first one. And, um, you know, Rain Media takes what are essentially very, you know, kind of, pre- not they're not predictable, but, you know, some of those songs have very, like, they're just four chords, you know, they have an interesting lead over top, yeah. but they're not exactly, like, prog rock songs. Yeah. Um, but he's able to craft really catchy, interesting lyrics around those. And then, was it Mike Turner, the guitar player that they had at that time? Um, I mean, sometimes in very limited spaces, that guy did really, really interesting things. I'm thinking of like one of my favorite guitar solos is the one he does for One Man Army, um, on "Happiness Is a Fish You Can't Catch" because the whole thing is just—it sounds like it is out of key, and he's somehow like wrangling the guitar, like he's in the totally wrong scale or something. It's all over the place, but it's like it's an amazing solo that's what needed to happen that like that's the johnny greenwood crazy not even in the same universe as us thinking when it comes to like guitar solos that are don't sound like guitar solos and that's that was just the element that i think was lacking yeah here if if you're going to go in that direction yeah i think another band that came to mind now that i didn't connect at the time well, I wouldn't have. It was Powderfinger. Yeah. 
This is very similar to something like Odyssey number five, which came out a couple years later. Yep. Uh, but to the point we're we're making here, that record's got a couple like just gritty riff songs, mm-hmm. you know, that are just real. They just change up the. They just give you some like rhythm on the record. Like they give you a little something different. Uh, reset your palate a bit uh, to bring to then you know kind of pull you back into some of the bigger chorus songs. I feel like this is this record's missing one or two of those. Right. Yeah. Not completely similar but uh, i was actually just listening to the cults self-titled album Mm -hmm. and going back to it i was struck by how much of that is mid to slow tempo i didn't realize like some of the songs that i really like are actually the 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 very slow songs yeah um and there's only like two or three songs that you would classify as like up tempo on that record um but they do so many different things both in terms of how they produce each of those songs i mean some of those songs are wildly (laughs) crazily produced in terms of you know the opening track with these Mm -hmm. weird drum loop things that are played and but it got me thinking about like what ian asbury did with the vocals on each of those songs and he took a very different approach to a lot of those songs you know he's got the he's known for the big belting vocal Right. A lot of those that is completely restrained. Um and it and it's him servicing the song, which is interesting because you don't really think of that in terms of the cult. I mean, think of him as <laughs> right, just having right. this awesome vocal and they build these songs so that he can scream Firewoman and stuff. Right. Um and that song's and that's totally different. Whereas on this record with Dishwala it's kind of you know he might change up his cadence a little bit here and there but it's it's not much in terms of like lending a particular personality to each song that makes them unique or special i think that that makes a difference as well in terms of if you're not really singing anything that's if you know don't have a uh uh a Nicky Wire and Richie James style you know lyricist going on in your band then you've got to deliver like a really interesting performance yeah. with the vocal. And it's, it's just not there yep. as well. It's, it's totally passable for like maybe rock radio, you know, for yep. like the mid nineties, but not, I don't think for long term appreciation. Yeah. All the bands we talked, you just went through, we were comparing them to, you know, they have singers that are a little polarizing. Yeah. I mean, I would even say like Powderfinger's vocals are a little bit more or even more polarizing than this. I mean, they're not as far as Rain Media, but. Right. <laughs> um, but there's more going on there. You know, there's, there's more character and uh, more extremes vocally than just vocally here. It's very down the middle. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about overall ratings for this record. Uh, Jay, were the album better EP or decent single? 
I'm right on the edge between an EP and an album. I'm going to go with an album because I think this is, I think this is worth digging up. I think we brought up a lot of good reasons why. Uh, I think if, uh, I think it's a fun listen. I don't, I'd fun listening to this. Uh, both in my passive listens, I felt myself like getting sucked into these kind of sappy songs and the choruses and them being absolutely effective in that way. And then through headphone listens, really had a lot of fun listening to the different guitar tones and bass tones and all the effects and layers of keyboards. And there's just a lot of really cool production going on here that really takes the songs to another place. So I think it's a fun listen. I, I think it's a worthy album. It's a little slow uh, towards the, uh, once you get past five, five star day, I think it gets spotty and it picks up at the end and finishes strong with bridge song and pop guru, but there's a three or four song stretch there where it's, it's not a solid for me, but I still think it's worth, uh, worth checking out the whole thing. And, and give it a listen where'd you land i'm at a better ep um i'm probably where you were struggling with i'm going the, the other direction yep. um i liked the first half uh and then i think i think it just kind of falters for me in the second half it's just not as interesting and it just doesn't sound as uh committed to a, a particular idea i feel like they did jump around a little bit with trying to find the thing that they want to do um and i liked for example slow so blind because of that like shoegaze ask sound to that song um i would have liked to have heard them explore noisier sounds because they do it in a way that's well produced which is hard to do um uh, you know sometimes you listen to noise rock or shoegaze and it's oh yeah yeah it's difficult whereas yeah. this is a well crafted noise um so i would take um i would go with the first six songs and then uh so blind and pop guru so i'd be at eight songs out of the 12 yep so that's you know 70s that's, album but yeah. 90s ep that's about where I was. I'm, I'm uh, edging towards the side of like even those four are not so bad to to get through. So I hear you. All right. Well, thank our patrons for helping us pick this. Thank or thanks to our patrons for helping us pick this record. Uh, if you would like to uh, take part in an impromptu poll that comes out of nowhere. Uh, on Patreon is or at Patreon is where you go to get access to our Discord. That's where things like this happen as well as discussions um, about various things that are happening in the world. I don't know what people would be talking about these days as I uh, abstain from all social media, but I'm sure things are happening and uh, we're talking about them. Uh, music, TV shows, other other things other things in this wonderful world we're talking about uh what we're uh happy things TV and what records we bought and happy things that's 
Oh, my failure record came this week. That was that was cool. Did you get? Did you pre-order yours? What do you Which one? The new Wild one? Type Droid. Yeah. They just started going out over the last like two weeks um, because there was sh- there was printing delays. I I'm sure I did. I'm losing track of like because the delays now are because so it's long. taking so long. I know. Um, I'm finding myself totally forgetting what I bought and then it, it's just a surprise I get in the mail. I did that with uh, uh, was it Lisa Memory? I just randomly got a Lisa Memory record. I think oh, it was the stereo it the, version. The stereo of yeah, I was like, oh, like I've been listening to it on streaming now for a while so I like totally had forgotten that I bought the vinyl version. It was a nice <laughs> surprise. So maybe I put the, the failure record. I don't remember. There, but you find out you'll just you, find the, out but you got yours yeah i got it on like friday cool yeah, i was i was uh i was happy it's always and fun I've, to open up a record it is and i've got the uh, tragically hip double live album that just released uh it shipped and on its way to me uh now so i'm looking forward i actually that was shipped on time like they set a release date and it actually matched the, re- <laughs> the release date so that's nice uh so if you like to talk about records and things like that patreon is where you go to get access to the discord it's also where you can uh vote in the polls for episodes and for roundtables and also where you get the swag uh and read the box newsletter which you can sign up for at digmeoutpodcast.com box newsletter is delivered every week to your email inbox it's our weekly calendar of new releases in um 80s and 90s relevant music movies tv books etc with two reviews every week of albums by uh, not only myself but sometimes members of our patreon community they have they they have records that they want to talk about too and if you go to digmeoutpodcast.com not only can you sign up for the box newsletter it's where you can submit an album to our suggest an album form drop the album you want us to listen to in there it'll go into one of our polls our patrons will vote on it and maybe just maybe your album will be picked in 2027 is that where we're at jay 2027 no we should be uh we should be back on track oh i think we're i think we're gonna be you know within the year we should be able to get through we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves i mean that's that's if you know nobody recommends another record but Right. We're, we're about a year out now. Let's let's put that as the you put something in the hopper. It, it Cuz be... I'll just suggest every guy to buy Voices album that came out <laughs> in the 90s. So we'll be we'll be busy oh, for a while. That. that that'll be the entire hopper. It'll just be all Robert Pollard guided by Voices releases plus side projects and solo albums. Three He's got to have at least 30 in the in the 1990s. It's uh it's magnificent. We're doing nine a week now, so at that pace, we're episodes. I can't do that, Jay. It's under control. No votes. All you got to do is oh, click votes. the little box. Vote in a poll at Patreon, and if you like what you hear, leave us some positive feedback over at Apple Podcasts. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Yeah.